What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan, from Duck Gun Chronicles, and we got the co-host, per usual, slamming his coffee cup down on the table, Elliot Graybeard from Freelance Duck Hunting. <laughs> Duck Hunting. There you go, screwing up his name again. How are you doing tonight, Elliot? You know, when I put my coffee down, I did think that, <laughs> you know, you call me the duck tater. You are... A little Nazi. A little, I, knew, I knew as soon as that hit the table, you, you were thinking that. <laughs> I I knew as soon as it was hitting the table that you weren't thinking that. So <laughs> I was thinking about it when the noise went off, not the moment before the noise. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> uh yeah. Honestly, not a big deal. I'm just you know doing my usual poking yeah. the bear stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know you did a lot of that this weekend. Oh boy, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> we had a good time though. I, I can't wait to share all about it. That was that was a fantastic way. My last two weekends were probably two of my most memorable weekends of um, the entire year. So I went out with absolute just the way I would want to. Awesome, I definitely agree. Um, but yeah, we got plenty to share for that. But before that, let's go ahead and uh, give a big thanks out to our partners. Um, so first off, I'd like to give a big thanks out to Boss Shot Shell, premium bismuth copper-coated shells. Um, they're made right here in the good U.S. of A. in Michigan. Um, local company to me, been out there a few times, and, uh, you know, definitely a lot of good things you can say about the creators of Boss Shot Shells. Um, but Elliot and I both have been running them all season long. Um, here late season, I've been running the fours for those late season honkers, which a lot of people will be like, hey, fours, that's really small. But bismuth, bismuth and the copper coating, you know, the higher density of um, the BBs and being able to get more BBs by going up in shot size in your pattern really has some wicked knockdown power. So if you haven't checked them, checked them out, make sure to head over to Boss Shot Shell and give them a look. Guys, now that season is over, I know at least duck season's over. Some of us are still goose hunting, but it's time to start thinking about upgrades for next waterfowl season and what you might want to put on your list of things you want to purchase. And before you make any buys, go over to HTR Innovations and check out their supply of American-made waterfowling products from the A-frame to the layout pad, gun stand, and the Quack Pack is the one product I actually haven't had a chance to use. I know Jordan has, but I'll tell you, we could have certainly used it on both of our hunts this past weekend. It's like a layout blind and a decoy backpack all in one. So go over to HTR Innovations, check it out. Pro product code is Duck Space Gun, capital D, capital G, for 10% off and free shipping. Um, certainly check it out. Yeah, one thing I want to add on to the HTR, HTR stuff um, HDR will be out at the Indiana Waterfowl Show coming this February. Um, so if you are Indiana local or any of the surrounding states coming to visit the Indiana Deer Turkey Waterfowl Show, make sure to stop over by the booth. I will be there and say, hey, love to um, meet you guys and check out the HDR products as well. All right. Also like to give a big thanks out to Bandit Avery and Green, Greenhead Gear. And uh, one product that I haven't talked about that Elliot and I both um, absolutely love is the Swift Shot Sh the Swift Soft Shell Waiter Jacket. And man, I've been wearing that from early season to late season, and it's just super warm, super compact, and um, you know, just really perfect for waterfowl hunting. Yeah, you know, um, with that and the combination of just the banded camo hoodie underneath it. I haven't had to wear anything warmer than that. Just some extra layers underneath. And I mean, I have, that is my right now favorite product of Bandit that I've had the entire year is that jacket. It is so warm. It's got the magnetic pocket for your phone right there um, on your chest. It is just a fantastic product. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention it's got the, the chest pockets and I'm a big fan of that. It keeps your hands warm um, when you don't have your gloves on as well. So um, you know, definitely a lot of awesome stuff to check out over with those guys. Um, but right now that's something that I'm really enjoying. And I did notice I was just on the website. There's a lot of products there that are like 40 to 45% off. If you go to the banded.com um, website, right at the front, there's some really good stuff. That's really, um, priced 
uh, with the lower price right now to check out. Awesome. Yeah, definitely watch out for those end-of-year sales. But uh, um, also, guys, we want to give a big thanks out to you guys, the listeners, the the viewers, the community, and the backbone of the Duck Gun Podcast. You guys know who you are. You're here week in, week out, supporting us. Um, I can't tell you the number of messages and emails um, and comments on the YouTube videos about the podcast I've got over the years. Just the support and feedback has been so awesome from you guys. Um, anytime <laughs> you might, I might be feeling stressed about it, and I get one of those, it's just a like a big old pick-me-up. So um, really appreciate you guys sticking with us through this whole season. Um, but out, without further ado, I guess it's a good time to go ahead and jump into the podcast. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. Alrighty, folks, we are back and ready to jump into the podcast. First off, I got to give a big thanks out to Elliot for having me out for the weekend. I mean, uh, I don't think I thanked you in person while I was there, oh, but you it was something during that. So awesome to come out there and hang out with you and no, I just um, you know everybody from your family. Started, super enjoyable to really be with, um, even you know, take it, I know Aiden's kind of like uh, an honorary <laughs> member of your family at this point. But even yeah. having having him around, he was awesome too. And um, yeah, it was just you know, hunting aside, it was just just a, a pleasure to be around um, your family uh, and yourself, and uh, you know. Uh, one other thing too, I didn't get to thank your wife because she wasn't around. Uh, but right when I went to leave, um, you know, went to grab, she uh, packed uh, a lunch in a sack for all of your kids <laughs> for school, and uh, <laughs> I haven't had a lunch. And in you the took sack. them all. <laughs> you I took, took all the lunches. And I ran. took all of them and ran right before I left. But <laughs> no, everybody was gone, and so I went to grab mine and grabbed it out of the fridge, and it had a. Um, she drew with a sharpie. <laughs> Um, my face on on the bag, I just uh, it cracked me up. But it was just uh, <laughs> did, did I didn't you see know it? That. I'll have to, I took a picture of it. I'll send it to you. It was, it was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, did it have as, a backwards hat on? It did. <laughs> backwards hat and a and a much better beard than I have. So <laughs> yeah, you got to send that to me. I got to see that. She never told me. <laughs> yeah, I just it cracked me up when I saw it. But I, I haven't had a. a Lunch in a sack in a long time, but that was just, uh, you know, awesome as well. So you have to uh, tell her thanks for me. I'll do that. She is a wonderful woman. I am extremely, extremely blessed. She's always doing little things like that, making lunches and sending me stuff on hunts. And just the fact that she puts up with all of this waterfowl obsession and every Wednesday night and everything. And she does it with a smile. It's not like a backhand at all tolerate it, but kind of make little jabs at you. She wholeheartedly um, knows that it's a part of who I am. And when I have joy from it, she has joy from it. It's, it's funny. Cause if I come back and I've had a really bad day, you know, just like a really awful time. And she's like, I do not want to hear you're gone this whole time. And you've had, and you're back frustrated and have had a bad day. So now I, I try, the one thing I try to do is not, if I've had a miserable day, not relay that to her. <laughs> She's a good one. Awesome. Definitely agree with you on that. Um, but yeah, I guess let's go ahead and start from the beginning of the whole weekend. So we've been planning this out for a while. Um, well, I mean, you'd been mentioning it. Hey, you should come out. And it wasn't really kind of official till I mean, just a few weeks ago. Um, I didn't know if I'd be able to make the trip, but uh, you, you, you invited me out there, and um, we tried to get my wife to come along as well, but work um, responsibilities, you know, adulting, that kept her from <laughs> getting to take the trip with me this time around. So that was a little bit of unfortunate, but, uh, um, you know, hopefully next time she'll be able to come too because, uh, you know, the ladies like to hang out while we're hunting. Um, but ended up making the trip and heading out, and just from the start, Honestly, it was a <laughs> a little bit of a struggle, um, you know, trying to get out of work. I get out a little late. Um, 
Kansas license. I had to renew mine, and their online system was broken. So then I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to, as soon as I get to Kansas, um, I'm going to stop at the closest Walmart and buy my license. And I stop like five miles, five miles short of the border in Missouri still. I, I, I guess I should know my geography better, but I was just north of Kansas City. And I thought when I'm looking at the map that I was in Kansas because of that, but I was still in Missouri. Um, so I wasted time with those guys, and I had like four people trying to help me to buy a license, and none of them knew that I couldn't buy a Kansas license in Missouri. <laughs> so <laughs> they said they could if I was from Kansas, but since I was from Indiana, it wouldn't work. So, yeah. They can really sell you a Kansas license if you're a resident of Kansas and Missouri? I think so. That's what they said. I bet they don't, I bet they don't know what they're talking about. Maybe I'm calling. I'm calling Walmart worker ignorance. On, ignorance on that one. <laughs> what would you call it the first time? I just misspoke. Walmart <laughs> worker ignorance. <laughs> just kind of slurred a word. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So by the time I got there, man, it was like eleven hour plus fiasco. So it was a lot of fun. I mean, I drove through a bunch of snow and weather my way, and then snow through Missouri. But finally, I got there. It was like it was midnight. And you guys were asleep, <laughs> and the plan was to get up at 2. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you said you are going to be there at 12, because I was fully expecting to stay up till you got there, and then we had to finalize all the loading of everything and, and all that. And when you said 12, I went into a panic because <laughs> I'm like, we may not be to bed till 12.30. That's an hour and a half sleep. And I'm thinking how that's going to affect my whole weekend, oh, my yeah. Monday, Monday at work. So I was really stressing out bad. I didn't, I was just like, this is going to tumble my whole weekend. And uh, my wife stepped up. It was like 10, 15 at that point. She, she's like, listen, just go to bed. I'll greet him. I'll stay up till 12. See, I mean, she's awesome. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but uh, if I had only gotten an hour and a half sleep that first night, I would have really been hurting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, uh, yeah. Uh, the original plan was for me to be there like between 830 and 9. And, like, if my Kansas license just would have worked online, I wouldn't have had to drive through weather. Um, I would have been there, you know, right at those times. But when you have to add on all that extra time, you know, which I guess, I mean, I try to cut it close because you only have so many days you can take off of work per year. But when you have all everything that can go wrong, go wrong, you know, I might as well just plan to show up at 2 and, and jump in your <laughs> truck, right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, honestly, um, I literally, it was weird because I, I got there, I got all my stuff thrown in your truck, everything packed up, and I think I got it, you know, pretty well organized before we even went because, um, you know, I literally woke up. It was weird. I woke up like a minute before my alarm clock went off, and I was like wide awake, ready to go, and who would have thought, you know, after like an, it was like an hour and 50 minutes of sleep, I'm just like, I mean, it didn't affect me at all till you know about three o'clock the next day or, or whatever. But, so what uh, time? What time were you actually asleep by? I mean, I don't know. Uh, I I didn't really look. I don't think it was it was after midnight. So yeah, it was. I think it was just after midnight. So, um, I almost got two hours of sleep. Yikes! <laughs> well, we had to get up that early because I was hoping we wouldn't have to get up that early. But I scouted the whole after from about 10 o'clock till about sundown. My dad and I scouted on Friday and I was pretty sure that we were going to be on the river. Um, and right at the end, I, I found what I thought was about 500 mallards on this one little inflow inflow Creek as it came into the river and you could see it from the bridge. So I'm like, that is where we need to be and if we're going to be first there we got to get up early because if we didn't have birds located we'll get up put the boat on and just find a bunch of birds on the river and then set up there that's really the best way to do it if you don't know on the river like that you can't just go and throw out decoys it just doesn't work unless you're just extremely lucky you've got to go and find where the x where the birds want to be on that day and then set up there so knowing that we had all those birds located just like, we just got to get up. We got to get up at two. That's what we got to do. Yep. And, I mean, you were right because we got there and, um, you know, we got to the boat launch. And first thing I had to do was um, 
I mean, when you go on the road, you got to eat stuff that's outside your usual diet. And um, <laughs> you're, I mean, I, I feel like my uh, poop schedule is pretty regimented as far as like what I'm like, uh, you know, like what time of day. It's like always around the same time of day. Once a day, just go, you do your business. And that's kind of how it was. But, you know, you get on the road and you buy a couple Slim Jims. And then your next stop, you buy some coffee and like Columbia roast coffee and um, maybe I don't even know, but you know, you get it. You, you're eating all these things that are, are outside of your regular diet. So <laughs> we get out to the boat launch. Actually it was before that. And we're like bouncing along the road. And I'm like, Oh, oh, oh. like I, just, <laughs> I had to go so bad. And I'm just like praying I make it to the boat launch. And, <laughs> and we got there. And so first thing I did is I ran out there before I got any of my mm-hmm. other clothes on. And, um, there was a light pull there, and I used that as a back backrest, and I was doing like wall squats on it, and <laughs> and uh, you know did my business real quick. And meantime, you guys were getting the, the boat ready, but uh, somebody actually got there right before we got in. Unfortunately, they got to the ramp before we put our boat on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we were we there. Beat first. them by like fifteen minutes. Yeah, we beat them by like fifteen minutes. And so as Jordan's out taking care of his business, this uh, this guy gets out of his truck and. You know, my, typically in that type of situation, I'll just ta- engage these guys right off the bat and be friendly and talk to them, let them know where we're going. And and so this guy comes up to me, a fairly young guy, seems really nice and everything. And and uh, we get talking. It turns out we're going to the exact same spot. Um, and he's like, "Can can you do me a favor?" He's like, "I got my six year old with me, and you know, and so we get talking and everything." And I'm like, "Well." why don't you just go ahead and, and come hunt with us? I mean, he had his little six-year-old with him and then mm-hmm. he didn't mention that he also has had his girlfriend with him. And I don't know if that was strategic for him to leave that piece of information out or what, because then um, we put our boat on, he put on his boat and we got there and he's like, Oh yeah. Um, I left my son and my girlfriend in the truck. I was like, Oh, I didn't realize she had a girlfriend. I mean, not that it would have changed anything. I still would have asked him to hunt with us, but now our party of three turned into six. So, um, we set up all the decoys and everything and, and Jordan made the most fantastic burritos. I mean, these things were massive logs of burrito there in the morning for us. So, um, it, it was a great start. They said I was, I'd say I was very disappointed, um, that we were going to be hunting with a guy and his girlfriend and a six year old. I was really looking forward to just be Jordan and Aiden and I, so I was disappointed by that. Um, but you know, it didn't, it wasn't ruining my morning completely or anything. It was a little bit of a disappointment. I'm sure he was disappointed too. I mean, yeah. you know, he's got his girlfriend and his son. So we were just trying to make the best of it, best of a, a bad situation. And he could have beat us in there because his boat was so fast that had we not even talked to him, he could have just gone around us and beat us there. And the spot. <laughs> yeah. And he was definitely, like you said, he was a super nice guy and yeah. um, everybody wants to get out there and get, get on the ducks. And you definitely did the right thing about being courteous and, um, you know, kind and, and grouping up on that. But, um, no, we did have some struggles with our hide. We tried getting in the logs and I was sitting right on the end of it. Um, there's a bunch, it was a bunch of deadfall kind of jammed up together there. Um, and I was sitting on the very edge of it and I, I kept seeing the birds just flare and there were so many birds. And I'm like, they're 100% flaring on me. And I tucked in further with everybody else and took chief in, in there as well, got rid of the mow marsh and put it behind it. And after that, um, it felt like we finished a couple more, um, a little bit cleaner, but we still, I mean, it was still wasn't every one. Um, we had some birds flaring, um, and that's just part of hunting. Sometimes you're just not getting your setup right. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I can't remember if you said this or who said this, or if, if I said this, but, um, kind of to reiterate, reiterate that it seems like it's 90 percent of the time if you see them flare it's you it's not really anything else it's just they're seeing something they don't like they might not see it's you but they see something that they don't like some movement something that's not natural and that's just what we were kind of having all morning yeah I, I completely agree you know we've had all these conversations about spinners flaring ducks and pulling the spinners and 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 all of that but fact is i've pulled the spinners lots of times and i this season it was effective pulling them a couple times but the number of times in which i've said or we've said hey 
it's us. Let's back way off or let's just hunt one guy at a time and back the rest of them off. Those, those changes have been effective. I mean, I, I don't have them counting, so I'm just throwing out a, a, a fictional number. It seems like those have been effective about 90% of the time when you find like, okay, we're going to move ourselves way back or we're just going to lay one guy out at a time. Those changes are almost always effective. And in the end, that's basically what happened in this situation too. We fought these birds um, flaring off us all morning. It wasn't until, what do you think, about 1230 that we kind of figured it out? I think, I mean, I think it was after that because we, uh, I mean, talking through uh, the iterations of our setup um, and, I mean, we changed decoys and all that. And I don't think anything with the decoys really helped. We just kind of were just trying anything and it's you know if one bird flares the next one's most likely going to flare and if that one flares and then especially the third one after that it's like once you're doing that and just sitting there like you're literally just going to sit there and see the same thing over and over so um i'm always for making changes as quick as you can as many changes as you can do them as quick as you can get out of the decoys and get back in the blind um and that's just what we had to do but um the different iterations of it we had our first setup we were all stretched along at six of us, or actually five of us, and Aiden was up filming uh, above the log jam. And then um, we moved me in the blind, and that kind of helped, but sometimes it'd still see me, or see us, I should say. Um, and then from there, we tried being just behind the logs, and we shot shot another one. And I think that was just by coincidence, because we were all out of the logs, pushed back behind it, getting ready to set up the A-frame. Um, and then we set up the A-frame on the, the sandbar, and we finished a goose right, right up, um, literally like 15 yards from us. Um, but then we had ducks flaring on us too. And I think, I think the A-frame might have been just not brushed enough to be kind of wide out in the open like that. Um, so then our last kind of option was um, to get up on top of the bank and so we got up on top of the bank and sure enough i mean i think that you might have been right about 12 30 um and sure enough the first two finished right there and <laughs> yeah and i mean and the, yeah go ahead the bad the bad thing about it was is jim who we're calling jim ball a day he wanted to make this move right off the bat and he wanted to kind of get up on the bank and I got out in the decoys and I looked up on the bank and I'm like, there's just no cover over there. And I just imagined all six of us sitting up along this bank up high. It was a tall bank, tall, like what, 15 yard high? I mean, it was a tall bank and there's trees up there and whatnot. And so um, I'm just looking up there and I'm thinking there is no way that's going to work. There's no way that's going to work. And so I kind of got a little assertive. I did not want to make that move. And that was the first, that was the first move that Jimbo had suggested and so i'm fighting against this all day long moving up there on, on on like that and finally at the end after i was just ready to leave i mean we we're laying out on that sandbar in a frame and i was laying way back with aiden and this pair just comes like they're gonna float right in and they flare and i'm just like okay i'm about ready to wave the white flag and one more time jimbo's like come on and jordan's been kind of a proponent of going up uh, up there as well and he's like let's just try it i'm like all right whatever screw it let's just try it <laughs> I had, I had zero confidence it was going to work. And we get up there and sure enough, the first two, one was semi did it. And then one, just like we shot him a yard off the water. And so had we made that move like right off the bat, I don't know how many we would have shot. We had shot, shot a bunch. We shot our limit. We had plenty of ducks for it. I don't know. I don't know if we shot our limit, but we would have, we would have shot a bunch of, if, if that was the absolute answer, which it appears as though that it was. Yeah. And, um, Weird and I found it, I, it's like you said, I was, I was definitely a proponent of moving up there. I mean, not right away, but after we made a couple moves in the brush and it didn't work, I was like, yeah, let's try that. Um, it seems like a good idea. And honestly, it's something that I've learned from you, which I found it was kind of odd to me that you didn't want to go up on the bank. Cause there's been, um, you know, I haven't hunted with you that many times, but there's been multiple times where you where your suggestion pretty quick off was to move back. And that's always seemed to work really well. And I've kind of incorporated that into my uh, decision-making when I hunt. You know, I, one of the first things I always say is, hey, let's let's move back. If you're 20 yards away from the bank and now your bird's finished in your 10 yards away from the bank decoys, 
and you're shooting birds at 30 yards opposed to shooting birds that aren't feet down passing at 40 yards, well, that's a net gain. So um, I've kind of always had that school of thought, like, hey, let's move back. I, I shouldn't say always. In the in the yeah. in the recent years, I've been doing that more. So I found that kind of odd that you didn't want to. So I guess what we're, I guess you've kind of explained it, the reasoning. I'll for explain. Not. It. Well, let me. I'll give. Let me give a more detailed okay, explanation yeah. to it. So moving back farther is different than moving up and silhouetting yourself. So in my thinking, just the week before when we were on those hunts, what we were using that was extremely effective was we were up against a mud bank, just laying back into the bank. And if you do that and the sun is right, you're shadowed and you basically don't have to have anything in front of you. But up on that tall bank, there was nothing behind us. So when you're on a bank like that and there's nothing behind you, every single movement that you make is silhouetted. If you move your hand, there's there's sky um, behind you. Now, if the ducks are above us and looking straight down, that could be different, but this is a pretty tall bank line. And the week before, as we were boating out, there was these guys that were hunting about 300 yards down from us. And there was one guy that was out in the decoys and there was another guy that was up on the bank. And the guy up on the bank, I looked over and I could see just his silhouette moving around. The guy that was down the decoys, as he walked up onto the shore, I couldn't hardly see him. So that cemented in my mind. I was thinking, man, those guys should not be up on the bank like that because they're just silhouetted. I've had other experiences where I've been trying to stop turkeys and where I, if you allow, where you allow yourself to get silhouetted, your movements become really pronounced. Mm -hmm. And so when I was out in the decoys, when we talked about that move and I looked up there, I just, all those instances were popping into my head of being silhouetted. And I mean, there was no cover in there. Literally when we we're up there, it was just like sitting with our, my legs dangling over the bank with a few little vines around, but it was just like, I felt completely, completely uncovered. The other reason is, now, before I say this, Jimbo was not a skybuster. I don't consider him to be that. That being said, his range certainly extends. The shots he likes to shoot certainly extend farther than the ones I like to shoot. My fear, and my fear was as we were having problems um, getting these birds to land and they were flaring, some of our shots that we were wanting to take and Jim was wanting to take were outside of my comfort zone to where we were. there was multiple birds starting to be wounded. Um, that were just flying away with stealing them. And I don't, I did not want to get into a situation up on that bank that now that we're 30 yards off the, well, it was this, we didn't have a spinner going at the time, but 30 yards off the kill zone, if they continue to flare from up there, I was really afraid the shot selection was going to start being 50, 55 yards. And I was worried about that as well. So that, that kind of all played into my decision making as far as what I wanted. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Silhouettings can be an issue. Um, I think the thing that might have saved us on, up on that bank, though, is like you said, we had there was a lot of vines there, and then it was actually a tree line. So I don't know if the birds just assumed that we were like um, the base of trees or what. So, um, but it ended up working, and like you said, we had some birds come in. But at that point, it was so far in the day there just wasn't a lot of. Um, duck action happening so um definitely you know all in all it was it was a fun hunt um definitely frustrating um to see that number of birds though and not being able to figure it out till it seemed like it was almost too late um but you know i shot more uh ducks in kansas than i could have in indiana yeah and we ended up the day with what six or seven mallards and a goose isn't that about what it was yep yeah it was six i think it was six mallards um, all green heads and then one goose. And then we lost one. So we dropped seven, lost one. And then, and then the goose and to go back to the hide a little bit here, here was Jim's explanation. Now this guy was from Minnesota and he hunts, you know, over 50 days a year. So he's got a lot of experience. He's, he's fairly young, but he does have quite a bit of experience. And, and I think this may be, this is the only thing that makes sense to me, what he said as to why we could get away being on the bank with no hide is that, um, the ducks get used to where to look as far as, I mean, most ducks have been shot at. And so when they're wary, I think they're actually looking for an ambush of hunters. And so hunters are normally right around the decoy spread. And so that their eyes kind of get trained and fixed as to kind of where to look a little bit. And when we put ourselves up higher, that's just not a normal area 
in which the ducks are going to be looking for predators um, yep. and for hunters or whatever. And so they're just taking that area for granted is safe. Yeah. And, and so in they're Canada, just not looking there. And to add on that, I mean, we had almost no wind. And when they did finish, they were, or when they're coming on their approach to finish, because we had a lot flare like that, they were literally looking at us in the eyeballs. They're coming straight at us into the decoys, and they were cupped up, locked up for, you know, the last 20 yards before they got into shooting range. And then right at the end, they got close enough to see us, and pop, 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 pop. You heard the wings going, and as fast as they could get out of there, and they are gone. So, um, yeah. you know, that was that. I wonder what would have happened if it had just been you and Aiden and I, um, what we would have done. How I'm sure we would have probably set up in those logs. I wonder how much more successful would have been. Uh, his girlfriend, Jenna, and their six-year-old, they went back to the truck probably about 10. So it was only four of us for a good majority of the day. So it probably wouldn't have made that much difference for if it's just the three of us. Yeah. Yeah, who knows at the first light section. But even then, yeah, it was just... Honestly, with the log jam, we kind of had to get in where we could, and we couldn't be, like, real picky about it because the water, it was really weird with the sandbank there and the creek coming out. It was over our waders right off the shore there. Then it got to the big sandbar where we put all the decoys. So you couldn't get out and walk around the front of the logs and try to, like, hide in little nooks and crannies. We just had to kind of get in where we could. And so that made it a little bit harder than if we could have, um hit on it but yeah i think every extra person in that situation does make your hide a little bit harder um so who knows like you said who knows yeah. enjoyable day i'd say that day was a bit of a disappointment it was i had such high expectations going in there from what we saw the night before and jim did say that they had gone in and just run the river and flushed them all the night before so um I don't, we talked before or you and I did, and he didn't do any, we didn't think that he had any fault in any of it, even running the river, trying to see what it looked like and everything. It was just unfortunate if those birds hadn't gotten flushed versus having, and just been the three of us, we very well may shot over limit. And that's kind of what I was expecting to do. So it, it I, that wasn't one of the most enjoyable days of the season. It was certainly a unique day yeah. and one that I will remember um, very well, but emotions were kind of it was kind of frustrating day yeah but uh, i mean one of these one of these days i'll get my uh kansas mallard limit i just got to keep trying <laughs> yeah yeah what and you personally ended up with three or four birds you did okay i mean on the whole on the weekend you put up about a four bird average so not bad yeah yeah um yeah so i guess let's go ahead and um i'm trying to think if there's anything we should talk about before we jump to day two I think that pretty much I think that pretty much covers it. Yeah. So day two. Uh well actually after that we did go around and scout and scout and scout. And honestly after that it was looking really, really bleak besides the river. And we didn't have anything scouted on the river. And honestly, I was feeling a little hesitant towards the river, um, just because of how finicky the birds seemed. And uh, you know, I wouldn't have minded being able to get out um, and one of the kind of more, well, I shouldn't say more famous Kansas marsh areas. I'm sure the river is <laughs> pretty well known by hunters in Kansas as well. But for me, when I think of Kansas hunting, I think of all uh, the marsh marsh hunting videos that you put out. And so, you know, for me, I was hoping that we'd get on, uh, be able to find some birds in a marsh. So um, we went around scouting, and honestly, it was just like nothing. I mean, I don't think we had any leads going into it <laughs> no we didn't and i honestly i i would my motivation was low and i i'm glad we stuck out with that day because we had a fun day but my motivation was really low after all that and we couldn't find anything yeah yeah if i wasn't there you probably would have took the day off <laughs> i would have yeah taken the day off i would have because i'm I mean, glad there, that i'm glad i didn't there was nothing um so the next day we actually decided on going on this little creek system that goes into a marsh pretty much on um, the intel of four ducks. We're going to hunt four ducks. <laughs> and so yeah, we saw four ducks <laughs> in this little creek, and it was a beautiful, beautiful creek. And we are like, look, we're just going to get up late. 
We're just going to wander down into this Creek. It's beautiful. And I'm like, I'm not even shooting video. I'm just going to enjoy a sunrise and it's going to be peaceful. And so that, that was our plan. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, kind of to fast forward through a lot of nothing. Um, we got, we got up there, um, set up just before shooting light. And it was, I mean, it was beautiful. It's what you think of when you think of Kansas duck hunting. Um, minus all the ducks. So <laughs> I think we, we did saw, see all the ducks that we thought were in there. <laughs> yeah. We saw six ducks flying and four landed upstream of us and two landed downstream of us. Um, and that was the morning we, and it was, I think it was like 45 minutes in, um, 45 minutes in and a bag of combos later. And you're like, all right, let's, let's go ahead and walk out of here. There's literally no movement at all. And so I wasn't opposed to that. And we, packed up and um, started scouting again. So, again, it was like almost no leads. But we did find one marsh where the birds were holding open some water. And we could see from from uh, an observation where we're scouting that there was some geese in it and maybe some ducks. And so we walked down there and, I mean, we flushed them out of there. Um just to kind of see what was in there. And it was like, it was like a hundred golden eye and 12 geese. <laughs> so, <laughs> and again, you're really, you're really tempted to hunt that one. Actually, you tried to convince me and I'm like, man, I didn't come to Kansas to shoot golden eye, which like, I, I guess I was being kind of picky. I'm like, if we're really like, I, I kind of wanted to find some mallards and I don't know. Was that picky? You think? No, I don't, because I think that hole was going to be extremely difficult to hide in. Had that hole looked like it was going to be easier, I really would have pushed for it, because I did see some mallards in there, even though you wouldn't believe me. <laughs> I saw about 15 of them in there. But no, I mean, we had other options, and I was getting a lot more motivated at that time, so I was about ready to say, let's check my favorite hole that I've ever hunted my whole life, my most productive area that I haven't hunted this year, and then if that doesn't work, we'll go to the river. So I felt pretty motivated. Um, to keep looking. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we we ended up walking down that one, and um, I don't know how long of a walk it is. Is it like three quarters of a mile, half a mile? Yeah, it's about right. Um, and if you guys, uh, you know, PM Elliot with a little bit of money, I'm sure he'll tell you the exact location. Actually, this hole, <laughs> I know people that I like that I won't take to this hole. <laughs> this is there is a two or three places that I know of that you will never see unless you're in my inner circle. And this one is number one. I've shot more ducks in this hole than any other place in my life. You've seen tons of videos in freelance duck hunting of this place if you watch the videos. And I have not hunted it this year. So we decided that we were going to walk down this trail and just pray that there was a hole in here somewhere uh, because I found holes down here before and they're pretty accessible to hunt. So we walked all the way down there. It's a beautiful walk, beautiful walk, neat place. Um, walked all the way down there and no hole was where I thought it would be. And luckily we saw some golden eye kind of fly over on this from off this point. I thought, well, maybe there's a hole right over there. Um, so let's go check that out. So we walked over and there wasn't a hole there, but there was an area that looked like um, there had been a hole. And so we looked farther down into the marsh and there was about 25 swans and some geese down on them. We couldn't tell if they were on the ice or if they had a hole open, but these golden eye kept flying right up the chute. And by now Jordan has lost his mallard only <laughs> purest ways. He's getting a little bit trigger happy. So we're like, well, maybe we can just open up this hole and and uh, just shoot some golden eye or something. But wait, the more we got minute. looking, wait a minute. First off, you can't call me a purist. We literally talked about stats, and you told me that geese don't count. Hey, where did you get that from? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> you've you've said that like three or four times lately. What did I? I thought. What did I say to make you say that? Uh, that geese don't. You literally said that this weekend. What do you mean? What did I, that geese don't count? We're talking about numbers of birds shot this season because we're we're just kind of comparing between you, me, and Elliot and Jimbo. And I just made the joke that how's it feel 
to be the person with the least number of birds shot this season. Because you shoot a lot of birds. I'm sure that almost never happens. And so um, <laughs> I was kind of uh, giving you a little bit of, of, of crap on that. And you said, geese don't count. <laughs> and so, uh, I don't even remember saying that. Because <laughs> you kept repeating it, and I couldn't remember ever saying that. Yeah, so you told me that. Because I've shot more ducks than you. I said it because I've shot more ducks than you this year. Yeah, yeah. You've shot more birds if you include geese. Yeah, but no one counts but geese. They're like ducks. a pestilence, like a. <laughs> <laughs> I know I didn't a, say that. A scourge on the earth. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I didn't remember. Okay, I'm glad now that I, because you kept saying that, and I couldn't remember what that was a reference to. Let's just say that Jordan opened up the floodgates this weekend on Talking <laughs> Trash. Let's just, and it was, it was pretty one sided endeavor on his part. <laughs> it got to the point where he was going on so much about me being a skybuster. <laughs> That finally, old Jimbo from Minnesota is like, "What? Are you serious? Are you serious? <laughs> is he really a skybuster? Is this a joke?" <laughs> You're going so strong. I'm like, "Check his gun. It's an extended full you. range joke." Uh, turns out, old Jimbo is way more of a skybuster than me. <laughs> no. Jimbo, if you listening, I know you're not a skybuster. I'm just giving, giving you a hard time over there. He did actually contact me on Instagram. Oh yeah, um, yeah. He wants some footage from up top of the bank up there, which there is some cool footage awesome up there. All right. So, so take her away. Yeah. So yeah. Once we got in there, like Elliot was saying, um, we had golden eye buzzing around. Um, and the weird thing was they kept trying to go land in these holes and you could see where the ice was thick and it was probably about two and a half inches thick. Um, and then you could see where it was like super thin um, like we're talking like it probably froze that night, um, where birds just didn't keep it open that had been keeping it open. Um, so, um, these golden, I kept trying to land in these holes. So I went to the first one, started breaking it open. And then Elliot's like, man, I really think we should walk down to this other hole and check it out. Um, I'm like, I don't know, man, the golden, I keep trying to land in here. And he's like, well, how about you? <laughs> You keep breaking open the hole, and I'll walk down there and give it a look. And at this point, I'm like, well, if he's going to do that, I'm not going to. I'm going to end up opening this whole hole, and then he's going to come back and say um, that we're going to hunt the other one. So I'm like, well, I, I might as well just jump out of here because I knew how it was going to go at that point. Um, <laughs> so I, <laughs> I, I, I followed you down there, and uh, sure enough, um, mallards in that hole, golden eye, maybe some other divers from what we saw. And uh, I don't know how many geese were in there. 20, 30 geese and about. Yeah, there was there was more more waterfowl in there than what we had even thought by far. Way more ducks yeah. than what we expected. And and the swans in there, that was really cool. There were a bunch of swans in there. Yep. So, yeah. Um, long story short, we decided to set up on that hole. And, uh, yeah. Um I mean, it was pretty unique because, honestly, I was a little nervous walking across that that ice, but through these marshes, it's just not as deep as you might think. Um, so we went up and set up on that. Um, but do you want to go ahead and, and talk about the blind we had? Yeah, yeah. And and with this this particular marsh, I have spent so much time in this place, turkey hunting, just hiking around, waterfowl hunting I, I started hunting this place i think around 2009 so i've only been hunting it about 10 11 years i've got 34 hunts in here shot 123 ducks so i mean this place i know every every single inch of this section and i knew none of it was over our head so that gave me a lot of comfort and that i we could just walk on the ice and and because i just i just know the place so this hole, it was, a, it was a much bigger hole than we thought as well. And the problem is there was, I mean, this, this was right out in the middle of the marsh. So there's absolutely nothing that you could get covered up with. But I was, I was now just loving what we were doing because we were in the middle of, and I tried to share these thoughts with Jordan while we were there too. Um, we were in the middle of my favorite place to be out in nature in the whole world. And it was all ice except this hole. It felt really, really isolated down there. I mean, it's like we were the only people. It felt like kind of like being on the moon. I mean, it was just completely ours. And I just love being down in this section and this area so much that I didn't want to leave. And I didn't really think we had a very good chance because, first of all, 
I mean, that we probably only flushed 20, 25 mallards off this hole and a few more than that golden eye and, and hooded merganser. But I mean, when you're talking two guys and a dog just laying out on bare ice over an ice hole, I've tried that before and I really didn't think that we were going to be very successful. So what we decided we're going to try to do is go into the woods and there's lots of, from the flooding, there's lots of light trees and, and brush in, uh, just laying around. So we, we took two trips and pulled a bunch of brush out. And, and actually, if you want to see a picture of this, um, it's actually the thumbnail of today's podcast. Also, I put some pictures on Fellowship of the Duck Gun, which is our Facebook group. If you want to see a little bit more what it looked like. And I was going to set it up to where we had like brush in between us, like brush person, brush person, brush dog. But Jordan's like, let's just set up it up in a V and we'll all be in the middle of it, which worked perfectly. So we set up all this brush in a V and then Jordan and I just laid side by side with Chief behind us. I mean, as far as hide goes for mallards, not very good. <laughs> but at that point, we were just like, if we can shoot you know, maybe a couple hooded mergansers each or a golden eye or just a one bird each. We're just going to lay in here. I'm like, let's just lay in here for four hours. Enjoy being all alone. Um, that sounded kind of weird. So now we're laying <laughs> beside each other. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Just enjoy the last day in peace and and, and see what and see what happens. So so that's what we did. Yeah, it was uh, honestly, it was kind of I do give some of the credit to that um, design of the blind, which um, I'm going to remember that for future hunts. I mean, I don't know if I'll ever have this come up again where I can hide on an ice hole, but um, it's like you said, the, the construction of it with the V set up, um, we could put Chief right in the crook of it, and he's brown. Mm -hmm. He matched the, the branches perfect. We're all in our um, – from we're all wearing the, the banded – um, waders and jacket and uh, it, we really matched the the brush pretty well as as well and then we just had the logs going on either side of us we were shoulder to shoulder and then we took the last branch and pulled it up over our feet so I mean it, it, honestly like you said it, it seemed like we we're pretty bare but to the birds I mean it, it worked we really didn't have birds flaring on us um no not a one not yeah. a one out of the very few that came in yeah so we didn't have very many chances but it, i mean we were both surprised it worked and uh you know the first group that comes in um and I, the one thing that was difficult about it is when you're just laying down on the ice um you can't really see the hole very well and they're coming over our left shoulder and um we had some birds circling around us and i think there's some golden eye maybe some hooded hood, hooded mergansers and uh, all I hear is a, a splash. And so I look in the decoys, and some had already landed. So we had three in the decoys and some uh, some more working. And uh, so I'm like, we got some in the set. And you're like, how many? And I'm like, three. All right, let's, let's take them. So we both sit up as fast as we can. And um, I popped uh, the hooded merganser in, and uh, I left the drake up to you. And I with oh for three. <laughs> oh for three. Your your comment was that your subconscious wouldn't let you uh uh shoot a, a hooded merganser. <laughs> yeah, I think what it was is I was out because they were just sitting on the water and I bared down on the closest one, which was a hen, and we're, we're we're actually trying to get them to flush. And right before they flushed, I decided, well, there's the Drake. Why don't I go for the Drake? So I went over to the Drake and I was kind of swinging to the left right as they flushed, and so I think that whole that's that's my excuse. That's my excuse. Yeah, which the odd thing about that is we have hooded mergansers, which, you know, nobody likes to shoot, but, I mean, we got to do our due diligence for the trout. And then if you're going to shoot one, you want to shoot the drake, and somehow both of us pick the hen on either side, and <laughs> no one's shooting yeah. at the drake. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but we were pretty excited because we didn't know if any, you know, if we were going <laughs> to get any action, and and so we had a bird, so we are pretty happy with that. Oh, yeah. We're, we're definitely um, glad. We couldn't believe. I mean, we just pretty much accounted it to the stupidity of, stupidity of a merganser. And honestly, I'm not sure how wary they are anyway. Um, regardless, I mean, I only shoot, I don't know, four to six of them a year. So it's not like I got a good sample size on how wary a, a hooded merganser is. But, um, yeah, that was that. And then uh, next thing we know, we're sitting there and we have – um, a group of divers come right over top, and I just remember the wings just, whoosh, you know, the jet-like noise as they flew right over us. And uh, 
I don't even know if we called at all. I think we just laid back down. Um, or you were already laying down. And I was I was actually sitting up, and I laid back down in the crook real quick when I saw them coming. Um, and they just did like a figure eight. They, they flew from our right side. They did a circle around the far side of the hole to the left and back to the right, and then they swung right over the decoys. And uh, we both shot one, and we split on one as well. So we got three down, and they were all bluebills. So that was really cool shooting those bluebill bluebill over an ice hole out in the marsh. Yeah, and I I have not I love bluebills and I hadn't shot one since I think 2007 or 2008. So, I had been on a real real cold streak. And when they came from our right to our left and they were going away, you know, you've got that feeling where you're always reminded like come on, turn, turn, turn. <laughs> and man, they turned and they just and you guys have all seen it when you've got divers 5 feet off the water coming straight at you that feeling and they're just coming and then they just swung perfect right to the decoys right i mean you couldn't have asked for other than landing you could not have asked for a better flight path and somehow jordan shot at the first one and didn't know that he killed it (laughs) i don't know how i don't know how he does that and then he tries to call a split on the first one that i killed and then finally i killed the third one so have you looked at that that uh footage yet on that pass i have not yet yeah, I mean, you don't want to because that's my I'm pretty sure I killed it. <laughs> <laughs> but man, we were so, I was so excited at that point because hadn't shot a bluebill in a while. Just the perfect decoy. We killed three of them. It's probably five or six. We killed three of the six. And so at that point, I'm like, hey, if nothing else happens today, I am happy because that was so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was, that was pretty cool. Um, And like you said, Right off the water, coming right at us. Um, so, yeah, but, you know, even then, <laughs> the next one kind of one-upped it for me. Um, we're just laying there. We have some mallards working. and I think uh, it was just a hen working. Just a, I had, had, you seen, had you seen the drake? Well, I'm, I'm assuming, because I'd looked at the decoys, you know, not too long before that. I'm assuming that he worked in while we were um, watching the hen, because the hen was circling us. I mean, she just cupped in straight out of the the atmosphere and, I mean, cupped up hard, just coming down like a rock with wings locked the whole way, and she swang right over top of us. And like I said, I mean, we almost feel just naked out there with, with the amount of cover we have, hiding, literally laying on the ice with these branches just, um, built around us and she comes straight overhead um circling behind us and lets out a quack you know and i Mm -hmm. think you'd called and so she was calling back to you like the same exact time um and just giving out a quack and she circled and then she went out in front of us and at that point um you you noticed the (laughs) the drake out in the decoys and um you sat up and i and i was still just watching the hen but when you sat up i'm like well he must have seen Something that I didn't because I thought we were waiting for the hen, but you saw the drake, and so I sat up with you, and, and at that point, he picked up out of the decoys and started to fly um, kind of behind us and left or towards, like, a, I don't know how to explain it. He was in front of us, but he was flying um, back and left. So it, it took away your shot because I was sitting up, and so I had to pull up real quick and get on it, and by then it was, I mean, it was getting out of there, and I just had time to yeah. crack one shot off and – um <laughs> just folded it right there. And I mean that, I don't know. It's just something about hunting mallards. And I mean, that's why we all love duck hunting and um, that feeling. Cause that was such a good feeling when <laughs> I see that bird pick yeah. up and watching that, you know, that hen cup up all the way around and um, taking the one shot and watching it just crumple. I don't know what it is exactly, but it it was just like a perfect feeling. Well, part of it is expectation because our expectations were really low to start the day. Then we're in this hole and we're like, maybe if we can shoot one or two birds each, then we shoot, you know, trashy little hooded merganser. Then we have this awesome passive bluebill in. nothing's flaring us. And now once you get a mallard to finish, you're like, oh my gosh, this is actually working. <laughs> you know I mean? We finished, we finished a mallard. And then you make a, because the thing that's so hard about that shot of yours is he wasn't just going to the left. He was like going towards your back left shoulder so on the ice you had to had to twist to where you're kind of if i think shooting behind your left shoulder just a little bit 
Um, and it was getting out there and, and I didn't, it was a tough shot and you just folded him up. And so now we've got, you know, three blue bills. We've got a mallard where we, we've exceeded our expectations at this point in time. And we're just laying here on the ice. You chief and I cracking jokes. The sun is, it had been all foggy. The sun's starting to come out. No one's around for miles. So <laughs> it was just like the elation on, man, this is really, really fun. You know? Yep. Yeah. And I don't know if, uh, if we got it on footage there or not, but um, I can't remember which time it was, if it was that time or another time, but when we uh, would sit up on the ice, like we were literally melting a hole in it. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the sun's coming out too and helping us because it was getting into the 40s that day. But it was just like all steamy and um, we kept making a joke that like we were going to melt a hole through the ice and just at one point we're going to fall all the way through. And, I mean, we... <laughs> I think we would have if we didn't move. And so periodically we'd have to scoot all the sticks over and all the, you know, our blind bags and guns over, you know, five feet to the left. We kept doing that. I think we did that three or four times because yeah. we, we create this big water hole. And like I said, I mean, the ice was two and a half inches, maybe two inches thick. And, uh, you know, I kind of, I'm like, all we got to do is get it thin enough that it loses, uh, like structural stability. And, uh, you know, we just fall right through, you know? <laughs> and, um, you know, you, me and chief all sitting at the same spot. I mean, it wouldn't have took much more melting to get, you know, when you're at a half inch or an inch, I don't know what it would have been, but you know, it'd have been, it would have been pretty funny if that actually happened. Yeah. And another really interesting thing about this hunt, the water was about thigh deep to waist deep. And so, um, chief was feeling very unstable on the ice. Cause sometimes as you'd be walking, it'd be cracking a little bit. And every time it'd crack, I'd see him just kind of like freeze and <laughs> tense up and everything. And I, I don't, the chief's kind of like, is he doesn't really care for the ice that much. So uh, on the retrieves, you had to kind of force chief out to go and, and get out there. And, and sometimes we would end up like you would go out into the water. Or I would, but every time we would get into the water, it's like, okay, how, how do you go about, doing this so our first idea was you just kind of stand on the edge and let the ice break under you but that is a really unstable feeling so just yeah. you know that it's not that deep but the ice goes and your feet are slipping and you're off balance as you hit the ground and i know when we tried that both of us when we hit the ground on the first couple of attempts almost just wiped out yeah well my first attempt was on accident because i was um I was helping Chief into the water to get the birds, and the ice just bro broke around both of us, and we just both fell through, and I luckily kept my balance. And then the next time, I'm like, all right, I'm going to get to the edge and jump. And as soon as I put all my weight on the ice to push off of it and lean forward, then the ice broke, and I'm leaning forward, so I almost <laughs> you know, just toppled face first into the water. <laughs> luckily, that didn't happen either. But, yeah, and then getting out was no easier either. Um, because I mean, the ice was thin around the hole. You could just break it, um, just by putting your weight on it. So you had to break it a few times just to get to the thicker ice to get in and out. So, yeah, I even tried a dive slide onto the ice coming out, which didn't work. Didn't feel very good when I did it. And I will say one more time, guys, I know this marsh, like the back of my hand. I know how deep it is. I've walked every part of it. We tested it out with sticks before we got down initially. I would never, ever promote doing this in these kind of conditions if you don't know the depth and you hadn't been in there. So I felt completely comfortable in my surroundings. But ice is not something you want to mess with. And just letting yourself fall into ice, it, it, <laughs> some of this stuff could be dangerous unless you really have a lot of knowledge of it. Yep. So, um, yeah, I guess to cup it, to cap off the hunt, um, we did have one more pair work in. Um, and they worked us and worked us and called and worked us and worked us. And, um, I could tell kind of a long way into it. They wanted to land on the other side. And I think it was cause chief was moving around at that point. He wasn't really having sitting on the ice. He's all covered in water. He kept licking his paws and licking. So if I had him steady or had him in a blind or something, but that all goes to the ice and our setup. Um, but they ended up landing. So they, they didn't, it wasn't enough to flare him off there, but they didn't necessarily want to land with the decoys. And so I actually held him by his collar so that he'd lay down behind us. Um, and you kept calling, and they eventually felt like forever, but they eventually swam in there. 
And I kept talking to you. I couldn't see them the way they were. They were just, like, directly in front of me. And so it's like my body was in the way because my head's down on the ice. Um, And they eventually swam in. Um, But the whole time I kept asking you how far. And I knew Chief, as soon as I'd let go and I'd have to to grab my gun, um, was going to – he was going to sit up and start licking his paws again, and they were going to spook, or that's what I was worried about. And so, I mean, sure enough, um, I I think we had some kind of miscommunication because I thought they were going to be close enough – for us to shoot, and they were, but they were kind of on the the far extents of that. And uh, so I let Chief up to grab my gun, and then they started to swim away, and so you had to call the shot. And so um, we both took one shot and both killed yeah. killed both of them. So, um, you know, all in all, definitely uh, a really, really fun hunt, yeah. Part of it I thought was a really unique, fun part as well because they landed – at about 150 yards from us and what do you think is about 10 15 minutes for him to swim over something like that yeah is that i'd say that's probably about right yeah um but so jordan can't see him so i'm constantly giving him updates like okay um it looks like they're swimming towards us all right now now the hen's swimming away and the drake's kind of circling her now he's bobbing his head i think he's courting her you know it's like every little play by play all right now and when they decided i was i was quietly carefully given some quacks and it did actually seem to help especially with the drake and at one point in time um they had split up where the hen had gone far away then they joined up and they started swimming like a lot faster right towards us and i was hoping to let it here into the spinner but they got just inside a shotgun range and I know jordan was whispering something to me about putting his hand on his gun i wasn't sure what that was um, but I, th- what I thought you were saying is before we shoot, let me know so I can get my hand on my gun, um, was what I thought you said, but they, right when they got inside a shotgun range, they turned and started swimming away. And I'm like, I don't want to take the chance to see if they come back in. I want to make sure we cause get a shot at this. So, and when we pulled up, actually they had crossed to where they were like, you could have killed two with one shot. And so we we focused both of our shots right on that little pile. In fact, after I was done, I wasn't even sure who shot the Drake and who shot the hen. And looking back on it, I think that I took a shot at both of them right on the ground. I think the Drake started to fly and Jordan shot right after me and, and cleaned him up. Um, it's the way I think. That whole sequence of the play-by-play and waiting them to swim in, the male was courting the female, and that was really unique and fun as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was definitely a... Pretty cool, and they're going to be the last ducks we see for a long time. <laughs> yep, so we ended with three mallards, three bluebills, and a hooded merganser. And when, when, when we went to set up in there, man, I would have sworn we weren't going to shoot that yeah. amount of birds. I mean, I would, like I said, we were hoping for a bird each or something. Our expectations were super low, so we were we were really pumped by how that ended up. Oh, yeah. No, definitely, uh, definitely was super excited about it, and... Uh, you know, yeah, it's like you said, it's it's so weird how expectations can kind of dictate how you feel about a hunt. Um, and we just had no expectations. And when that kind of happened and seeing those birds cup in right into the ice hole on such a unique hunt. And I mean, we had s- such a great time doing it, too. So it's just, you know, it's it's just it was just again, a great way to kind of cap off the whole season. Never hunted just the two of us and just. For, for four hours, it might have been four and a half hours, just laying on that ice and that little wood thing with Chief behind us and having some snacks and shooting a bird here and there. One of the most enjoyable hunts of the season for me. Absolutely one of the most enjoyable. Just loved it. Awesome. Yep. So, yeah. Um, no, that I mean, that pretty much uh, wraps up the Kansas hunts there. And, you know, I was definitely glad that I made the trip out there and, um, you know, so much fun. So, uh, <laughs> and lucky, luckily I've learned from the past too to take off Sunday or Monday as well. So that when we hunt on Sunday, I don't have time constraints where I got to be back or else that probably wouldn't have happened. Um, and then too, I don't kill myself on the drive home. Um, when you only slept for two nights or two nights, two hours the night before, and then try to take a, a 10 hour drive home is pretty un uh unadvised i'd say (laughs) 
I have finally recovered sleep-wise from that weekend. Uh, Monday after work, I slept for about two hours on the couch, like from six to eight. Yesterday, I slept for about an hour and a half after after work. I mean, I'm I'm just now catching up. That's why whenever I'm going to do, um, other than you now teal season's different because I'm so refreshed and it's, hunting's just started, so I can do a Saturday and a Sunday where you're really hitting it hard. Well, I guess in teal hunting too, or so quick hunts normally. But if I'm going to do like those all day hunts, two days in a row, I've got to have a day off or, or it just wrecks me. Yep. No, I agree with you on that. So, um, but I still got a week and a half of goose to look forward to. Um, I know you're not certain if you'll get out again. Um, but yeah, I think we, we definitely need to have a episode kind of concluding our seasons here in a couple of weeks once we're both all the way done. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been a, a fun a fun ride this season. I don't want to go into too many of the details, but uh, man, it's just been from start to finish. It's been awesome. From last year is night and day. I mean, you struggled so much last year and this year you had such a good year that that had to be really uh, kind of redemption for you as well. Yep. Yep. Definitely was. So yeah. Um, I guess I don't know where to end this one now, kind of wrapping up the hunts, but uh, kind of like I said in the beginning, it was just, it was awesome to, you know, hang out with you. And, um, you know, I see you as somewhat of a, uh, of a mentor for me, uh, being a lot of a, a new, newer waterfowl hunter compared to you and you got your years of experience. And uh, I know I'm hardheaded and, uh, <laughs> and I, I feel like sometimes when we're out there, I kind of want to do it a certain way, but it's always nice to kind of have, uh, somebody out there who has more experience with you. And, um, I really enjoyed having our, uh, our dual hunt, whatever you want to call it, where it was just us. Um, you know, cause there's a lot that I can learn from, from hunting, um, with you. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm, I feel the same way. And, you know, the fact that we've done this podcast together and we're hunting together so much, I, I certainly hope that your trips to Kansas continue more than just once a year. Cause I really enjoy it as well. Awesome. I, I do as well. <laughs> so uh, let's wrap this bromance up and the podcast up. <laughs> um, but thanks, everybody, for tuning in for another episode. Um, like I said, we're going to do a wrap-up podcast here in a couple weeks. Um, Elliot, you, what are your chances on getting another goose hunt? One, one more, hopefully on Corn's Pond. But um, I'm tired, <laughs> and I need, I need, I need some time. So I'm hoping that the last weekend I can get out one time. Awesome. Yeah, and I got two more weekends, and I don't know how much I want to push it. I know getting to the end of the season, I, one of my goals, and it's a silly goal to have, maybe, kind of, it feels silly to say it out loud, is to hunt 50 days. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I know that um, it's at the end of the season. I'm I'm tired, too. You know, I've hunted a lot. Um, I know our, both of our, of our wives are probably tired of us going – and being gone all the time too. So I don't know how much I'm, I want to push it um, going at the end of the season, but we got so many geese around and I, and I know that in a couple of weeks when the, all the season's done that I'm going to wish I was out, I'd, I'd hunted and got, I want to just make sure I get one more goose hunt. That's a good goose hunt on the year. But <laughs> even then two weeks away, I'll be like, Oh man, I'm missing the hunting already. So I guess we're at that yeah. time of the year. But anyways, I think right now is probably a perfect time to go ahead and wrap this thing up. Um, thanks, fellas, for joining us for another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. Really appreciate it. Um, I'm Jordan, Duck Gun Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting, and we'll see you guys on the next one.